Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, this podcast is all about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode. If you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also, if you haven't yet joined the five-day virtual networking challenge, be sure to do that today by clicking on the link in the show notes so that you can be on your way to growing your network, as we all know that having a strong network is one way to really move the ball. You guys probably recall that during season two, I did a special behind the pros trainer series with performance trainers who coach professional and college athletes. They get players ready with workouts in the off season and with combine specific training, and they just help athletes to perform at a higher level. Well, since it's that time of year where the current draft class has trained for the NFL combine, as well as their pro days, and we are now getting ready to kick off season three's path to the draft series next week. What I wanted to do before that is bring on one of the most elite trainers out there and talk about how he and his fellow coaches have gotten some of these athletes ready to be able to perform for essentially what was the biggest interview they were going to have in their playing career. So for today's episode, I'm actually recording on location here at House of Athletes, where the weather is gorgeous and it's much better than back home in Chicago. Inside the huddle with us today and sitting next to me is one of House of Athletes' finest trainers, Mo Wells. Mo is currently the VP of Pro Sports at House of Athlete, and his expertise spans across a broad spectrum of sports performance, strength and conditioning, and sports science. Mo was an athlete himself running track and field at LSU, and he has a passion for sports, community service, sports science, and exercise physiology, which he uses to help athletes perform at their best and when it matters the most. Some of the guys that Mo has trained specifically with regards to combine training and also pro-level training have been Leonard Fournette, Jarvis Landry, Justin Jefferson, DeAndre Swift, and John Morant. Mo has an extensive background training in a variety of different settings all the way from middle school to high school at IMG, also Michael Johnson performance training, and now he is here at House of Athletes. And we'll talk about more of that as we get into today's show. Mo, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you so much. Good to be here. Well, I'm so glad to have you sitting here with me. It's nice to be here at House of Athlete getting to sit next to you and do this chat. So let's start off. You were a competitive athlete yourself, as I mentioned in your bio. So you ran track and field at LSU. What are some of the things that being a competitive athlete taught you to be successful, not only in sports, but to be able to excel outside of the sports arena? So I believe that it truly taught me a sense of self for the first part, being comfortable with who you are, no matter who you're around, right? So matter if you're a superior athlete to those around you or for lack of better terms, an inferior athlete just because of the amount of talent that's around you, 
being true to yourself and, and being confident in your capabilities. That's a huge uh, intangible that I learned during my time at LSU, you know, so I knew I wasn't going to the Olympics, but I was around nothing but Olympians. So being confident in your, in your true self and then also being a technician and, and truly persistent at what you do, right? So whether that be what we do in the classroom, importantly, what we do on the track, you know, what we do on the football field, all of the above, you know, you have to be a student of the sport truly to be able to excel, not only in, at just LSU, but in the SEC. So, you know, it was, it was a high, it was a high playing ground, right? So you had to either adapt or, you know, kind of get out of the arena. And so you've coached at many different levels at high school, IMG, you're coaching collegiate and pro athletes now when you, and I asked JB this question also. So when you look at the mentality, the mindset, the difference between kids that are at an IMG, which is an elite high school versus collegiate athletes and pro, what are some of the differences and how do you have to adjust your coaching style because of that maturity difference as an example, or just that, that age and different mentality? So the biggest thing when it comes to coaching at different levels, to me, it's all about experience and knowledge, right? So if you're in a professional realm and you're thinking about a one-year person that just gets into the industry versus somebody that's been in it 10, 12, 15 years, you know that the experience is different. What they've gone through is going to be different. And their type of responsibility is different as well. At a high school level or even a middle school level, because that's really where I started at, their responsibilities are different. You don't have the pressures of being an adult yet. You don't have the pressures of paying bills. You don't have the pressure of agents and different things on your back yet unless you're truly prolific. So you get to be true to the sport, right? So you get more into the business side of things as you get to the collegiate level. You get more exposure to people that have your best interests at heart. Some of them that don't have your best interests at heart, which also is a form of experience. And then at the pro level, you really learn how to transform into your true self along the way. You know how to manage adulthood, know how to manage your finances, know how to manage your personal relationships, all the while being excellent in upper echelon of at your sport. You know, so I think the biggest differences have to be the experience that come along the way and the responsibility that comes with those experiences as well. So when you look at there's been a lot of changes over the last six months with NIL. As an example, so college athletes, I mean, college is you're getting ready for a business to try to go pro, but it's a little bit different now too with NIL because you're managing your brand even more so. And there's opportunities around getting paid as a college athlete, not just training to get to that pro level where you will eventually get paid. Right. So in your mind, how has that changed how you coach, but also you're a mentor to a lot of these kids too. So how does that change? what you tell them, what you teach them, not from a fundamentals on the field or skills, but just from a life perspective. So those experiences and things that I just talked about, it just fast forwards them a little bit, right? So we have real life conversations here when it comes to training with the pros. And now, you know, we have to forewarn and talk to them about that a little bit earlier, right? So when it comes to financial advisors, accountants, People, you know, watching your circle, who you move around, how you move on social media, how that affects your brand, how that affects you in a sports marketing standpoint. How does the domino effect affect you when, you know, what you do in a 10th, 11th grade, freshman, sophomore year of college, how would that affect you as a pro? How do you not oversaturate your market from your NIL deal? So now all of these conversations are now more prevalent, whereas previously they're more so preserved for when you get to a certain level. And now we just start those conversations a little bit earlier because now it's intertwined with which, you know, it's sport. It's always been a business, but now the student athlete just gets to come to the table. 
And I have a lot of student athletes who listen to the show. So what kind of tips or tricks, not tricks so much, but what kind of tips or advice or guidance would you give them as they're evaluating how they navigate this new landscape with NILs and making the decision, do I stay in college? Do I try to earn some more money? You know, some kids, they're not going to go pro at all, right? Some kids, they have to decide, do I declare now? Do I wait another year? NIL can now play a factor in that as well. So what kind of advice would you give to people to think about as they're going through these decisions? A critical factor when thinking about those decisions, you have a couple of different avenues to look at this, right? You have the athletes who are going to go pro, right? And then you have the athletes who won't go pro. So just like I told you earlier, when you have to know yourself, know your capabilities, that's more so true now than ever, right? So when I talk about oversaturating yourself in the sports market, you have a little bit more leeway. You can do a little bit more from a NIL and financial standpoint to take care of yourself when you're in college, if that's going to be the peak of your marketing and athletic career, right? So versus you might want to preserve some if you're going to be a draft pick, a top draft pick. And on the other side of that, when you are going pro in that self-preservation mindset, you have to make a decision of, okay, am I going to come out early? Or I'm going to stay in school, right? Okay, well, drafts that if I am a third round pick, my true junior year, you know, a redshirt sophomore year, if I come back another year, am, is this my ceiling? Where's my ceiling? That's what it's all about, right? If you know where your ceiling is, or if you don't have one, or it's kind of low, or, you know, wherever you are, when it comes to you as an individual, I think that's where you have to make your decisions at. And that's what should shape and mold how you attack NIL and how you attack staying in school, going pro and all above. Great points. And so we talked about, or I mentioned when I read your bio that, uh, you know, we've already had the NFL combine and many pro days already over. What have you done here at House of Athlete to prepare your draft class members to be able to excel and perform at their best during those events? So I always tell everybody that comes to House of Athlete or any other facility that I've worked at, when you leave here, we never want you to be go somewhere and say, we didn't prepare you for something, right? So that's why we the experiential part of this, you know, whether you're an athlete and your general consumer businesses or whatever it may be, any profession, the experience that you give somebody has to be elite, right? So when they come into here, making sure that they know everything about nutrition, they know everything about performance, they know everything about mental health. They've sat with the NFLPA, you know, they've done financial literacy. They've sat with other veterans that are currently in the league versus ones that have already retired and have very fruitious careers post football, you know, so all of those things going to molding them to be not only better football players, but better humans, because a lot of these guys, you know, when they come around these environments and experiences that we build, they find themselves, you know, and always harp on guys to really find, you want to find yourself outside of the football field, right? So who are you? You know, if somebody took away this pigskin from you today, who would you, who would you be? What would you do? Would you go crazy? What would be next for you? Of course, in, in a perfect world, we want you to have that five, 10, 15, or if you're Tom Brady, 20 year career, you know, but if not in a, in a truly realistic world, it's only 1200 or something NFL athletes. And there's more added every single year, you know, that percentage decreases for you. So you have to be realistic during your process. And we just want to give everybody every single option, you know, expose them to as much as possible and then be a part of their careers every off season, even in season, you know, from a support standpoint. That's great because it's about the total athlete, if you will, the total. It's not just about what you can do on the football field. It's also about positioning them for future success beyond the game. To your point, you don't know how long that career is going to last. The average NFL career now is down to two years, used to be 3.2. So it's only continuing to decrease as an average. And so I think 
it's important for players, more and more players to be thinking about that. And I think they are, I think they're, they're being more aware of, okay, this is NFL stands for not for long, right? That's what everybody says. And so they're starting to think about what else do I want to do? How can I position myself for some other scope, some other expertise beyond the game? Because I don't know when it's going to end. Very rarely do you see people retiring when they want to retire. Usually they're injured or they're booted out, right? And so it's having that plan early on is important. So I think that's great that you provide them with these resources. The financial literacy piece is an important piece as well. I have a lot of veterans that come on the show that talk about the importance of that and how they wish they had learned that earlier in their career. You mentioned what it is you're going to do, what your expertise is going to be outside of football. For you, you're here training, human performance, exercise science, helping athletes to be better athletes. You were at IMG Academy before. How did you get to House of Athlete? And the reason I'm asking you this question is because we all need to have that expertise. That's our brand that we're known for, because when you have that, that's when the opportunities come, when you're recognized as an expert in your field. So how did you come to House of Athlete? So, you know, it's a, it's a funny story that not many people know. So it's actually because of Justin Jefferson that I'm at a House of Athletes. So during Justin Jefferson's draft process, his, I trained his older brother, Ricky Jefferson. And both of them, Jordan Jefferson as well, all went to LSU. You know, we were there at different times. And Brandon, Ricky had told me that Brandon Marshall had reached out to him about wanting to work with Justin. So with him reaching out, Brandon Marshall reaching out, he said he wanted to work with Justin in whatever capacity for the draft. Hey, come work out. You know, do your combine prep, X, Y, and Z. And Ricky told me because he was coming to IMG to work with me. So I was like, man, maybe I can reach out to Brandon. He can, you know, come to IMG. Justin will be here regardless. So you come and work with us. I didn't know if Brandon was training himself or what he was doing. I was kind of in my own bubble. So I reached out to Brandon and Brandon, he was like, hey, man, I know who you are. You know, we started talking. And I think after our first conversation, he offered me a position at IMG. That was before the 2020 IMG draft class. So, of course, I turned it down. I probably turned Brandon down like seven or eight times over the next 12 months. But IMG ended up suspending professional sports for more than one reason. So I had to make a decision of, okay, do I want to stay at IMG and only work with the students until whenever pro sports comes back or make a commitment to my professional athletes and, you know, go somewhere else where I can do both. Of course, I had an opportunity to go a plethora of places, but I wanted to do something in a market that I can completely champion and really mold the experience to where it's all mine for when I built from my previous experiences, you know, my time at Exos, my time at Michael Johnson Performance, my time at Traction Sports at Ryan Clark, my time at LSU with the Strength and Conditioning Department, my time, my two years with, my right under two years with IMG Academy. So I wanted to see, challenge myself and see what I could build, you know? So I talked to Brandon once they went to shut down and I said, okay, hey man, I'm going to go ahead and come down. So we worked it out. And that's honestly how I ended up here in South Florida. So every organization has their culture. Oftentimes they're different from one another. So how is the IMG culture different than the House of Athlete culture? I think House of Athlete, it's always about the brand, but individuals get to be themselves. You know, individuals get to truly be themselves. So with that being said, you know, you, you get to express yourself differently. Some places that you go and you work, you're kind of in a box because companies have been successful for so many years you know, and they're comfortable in doing things certain ways. Brandon was okay with pushing the envelope and being disruptive as he likes to do. So with that being said, I'm a disruptor as well. So kind of the two kind of married and we were synonymous in our thinking and our goals and our visions for this space. So it kind of worked out versus the IMG where you kind of, 
not get always get in where you fit in depending on who you are, but you do in a, in sort of a sense have to conform to the organizational chart that they have going and try to be your best self in those roles versus really creating, right? So there's a difference for creators and guys that kind of fit into their stable market that they have there. So give us a couple examples of how you think that you guys have been disruptive here, aside from allowing the players to not fit in a mold and kind of have their own identity. What else have you done to really push the envelope here? So from a singular facility, you know, just from an experience standpoint, we try to put everything in house that a professional would need. Like, so if you're a professional at the high level, what would you need? And that's not just for the professional athlete. That's for the, the elite youth athlete. And that's also for the executive athlete. You know, so the everyday general consumer that wants to come in and have the certain amenities and things that the pros have at their disposal as well. So that was a huge goal here and something that we accomplished. So that's something that you disrupt the market with. Right. That's not like a normal Planet fitness or gym or 24 hour fitness that you will go to, you know, and, and get what they have. You know, that's creating the experience with the athletic trainers, the PTs, the massage, the yoga, the professional sports performance coaches, you know, because it's a all of our class, even for our fitness members, all of our classes are strength conditioning based, you know, versus like HIIT or just, you know, all cardio. So it's different type of entities that we have within the house that makes us different from other people. And that's disruptive. Right. And then also you're just coming into a new, mar- a new market, you know, a new facility, a new brand coming into South Florida and you're disruptive to other companies as well, you know? So that just all plays a part piece by piece, putting a puzzle together for being disruptors in the space. So what have you guys been doing to market and continue to grow your brand? Every business, every brand should ideally be looking to grow, right? And expand. And so what are some of the things that you have done that have been successful for you to be able to really become known as a world-class facility? So I think that the brick and mortar, so the facility part is one thing, but it all boils down to having the right people, you know. So that's the number one way you grow. You have a position, you have a goal, you have a vision, and you get the people in that can execute it, right? Because that's how, honestly how you grow. That's how you take everything to the next level. You can build as many fancy buildings and build as many programs as you want to, but if you don't have the people to fuel that fire and make that train move forward, you know, if you don't have conductors in every single space, then it's going to be tough for you. So I think that we really have done a good job thus far by trial and error of, you know, finding the right people to move us forward in different locations. Absolutely. People are very much an important part of any business. The expertise that you bring into your business will either make it or break it, right? But also the digital space is a way to continue to let people know about your brand to gain exposure. I mean, obviously you have Brandon. He has the I Am Athlete podcast. So there's a lot of different things that he's doing to bring awareness to this brand. But what else are you guys doing to try to get your name out there and continue to grow? So for me, it hasn't always been about getting my name out there or it hasn't always, I mean, it's always about growth, but it's not always about quantity. I like quality, right? So the best thing that you can do is to be good at your job. When you're good at your job, the other best people come find you, right? So I think I take a more of a low level approach. Like I'm very good at sports marketing, but I'm also very, calculated with my approach to who I train, who I work with, contributes to our environment from a staff standpoint. And that speaks volumes, right? I don't have to go get advertising ads or different type of space because the word of mouth that we want for the quantity of athletes that we have, is, it, it's fitting right now, right? I'd rather have the right 25 to 50 athletes versus 500 athletes of just more so of a hodgepodge, right? You know, I want the John Morants of the world, the Javante Davises of the world, the Jarvis Landry's, the Odell Beckham's, the Anthony Santander's, 
you know, the Lena Fournettes, the McCole Harmons, you know, I want those type of athletes to be inside the building and, and a part of the brand because that spreads out further than anything that you can do yourself because people are coming to see the, honestly, those guys we're behind the scenes, right? So when you come to see those guys, you, you want to be in the space that they're in you want to train like they train, you want to do what they do. Right. So when you do a good job with those athletes and you're in their space respectively, it just reflects back on the facility and the programs and everything that we have in house. Absolutely. And I think what you mentioned about quality over quantity is important. It's not a numbers game. And what the clients that I work with, it's about the quality, it's about providing good service, but also making sure that those people are at their best, whatever it is they're doing, whether it's an athlete that I'm working with, or if it's a corporate executive that's looking to grow their brand and continue to find opportunities. It's about the right people that align with what you want your brand to represent to versus being a volume transaction, you know, type of a spit people or take people in and spit them out. That's not uh, the way that you really want to have quality service and quality business. So before we look to go to my two-minute drill to close the show, I want to ask you the same question I asked JB when he was on. We talked about the draft class getting ready for the combine and their pro days. What about this draft class is unique from other ones that you trained before and what excites you about them? I think that I'm getting to a place where results and numbers have to speak louder than just my personal relationships. You know, you can you can do something for only so long when it comes to just, okay, hey, I've known him for four or five years. So I'm going to go train with him. I've known him for two or three years. I'm going to go train with him. Now we're tapping into a space where guys that have never worked with us before or have only known people that worked with us before that want to be in our space. They want to be in our programs, right? And that's where you find sustainability. When you have a, a churning cycle for those type of athletes that say, I'm going to go trust these guys with my training. I want to go see what they're doing down there. And and it's not just because they're my cousin or just because they're some guy that I've been working with since I was in high school. Like we're something that we want that's attainable, right? Or, you know, it's attainable or unattainable. We want to go search it and seek it out, right? So we are the ones that are being sought out because we are rising up in these ranks. So this draft class is an accumulation of that, you know, and it's, it, it all falls together because we only take 24 guys. We cap out at 24. So it's always interesting, interesting to see how the cards fall with that 24. You know, it's the a House of Athlete 24. And, you know, and this year was special because every year we more first rounders, you know, higher quality draft picks, you know, which turns into better offseason athletes as well. You know, more recognition, but also just being able to level up our training and doing a better job each and every year. So what I want to do now is take you through my two-minute drill to close out the show. Are you ready? All right. My first question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Astronaut. Oh, very interesting. Next question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Relentless. I would say genuine and energetic. Great three words. Next question is, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? In 2016, I had a meningioma brain tumor that I beat my senior year of college. Oh, wow. Next question is, if you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that intro song be? Oof, that's a tough one. That is definitely a tough one. It would likely be a Meek Mill song. So I'd have to go Monster by Meek Mill. Okay. What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I'm currently listening to the Pivot podcast just came out some of some of my good friends and then book. I am just started the energy bus. Oh, that's a good book. All right. My next question is, 
you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased, who would you choose and why? I'm inviting Prince, one of the greatest musicians of all time. I'm inviting Elon Musk, because if you're worth $300 billion, you have some good stuff to talk about. And then I'm likely going to invite Beyonce. There you go. Great choices. I'm glad you included a female in there. And Elon is one of my top three. As a Tesla owner and shareholder, I think he knows what he's doing and would be a great conversation. Last question is, do you sing in the shower? Yes. Are you any good? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but you always sing better in the shower, sound better. That's, that's what the Shaq commercial says, right? All right. So I do have one other question, and I'm going to try to ask it without laughing. And I've not asked this on the show before. And I'm asking you because I am an Alabama alum. And so you'll, you'll see why here in just a second. All right. So my question is, if you had an elephant and you couldn't sell it or give it away, what would you do with it? Feed it to a tiger. Great, great, great answer. All right, Mo. So as we look to close the show, let people know where are you at on social media? How can they follow you on your journey? On Instagram at Mo Knows with a Z, no underscores or anything. And on Twitter at Mo Knows as well. Not as well, but just Mo Knows. Perfect. And we'll have those in the show notes so people can follow you. We'll have the House of Athlete social links there as well. So people can keep up with all the great things that you are doing here at House of Athlete in the future. So thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a true pleasure. Awesome. Thank you for having me on and look forward to see you again. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with somebody else. And of course, if you haven't already done so, as I mentioned before, when we open the show, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review too. All right. Well, thank you again for listening and we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.